Well, Lord God, we thank you for uh, this evening. We thank you, Father, that you have brought us together. Really, Father, to grow in our understanding of why it is so wonderful that you exist, why it's so wonderful that you have called us out of darkness into light, why it's so wonderful that you are a redeemer, why it's so wonderful that you have given us the hope of eternal life. God, I pray that all of these things would be in these messages, that your glory and your goodness and the profound impact that you have on our world would be made known in this 24 hours. I pray for every teen who's present here today, Lord God, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would teach them and you would train them and you would correct them and you bring them to a better understanding of who you are. God, you are amazing. You are far greater and far more wonderful than we can even comprehend. God, even the prayers that we were just offering up to you, Lord, your spirit knows prayers that we ought to have prayed and yet we didn't. We, your spirit knows that there are things we could have prayed for. And whatever those things are that we didn't pray for this week, this weekend for this time, I pray, Lord God, that you would work powerfully to bring about all of the things that you want to see come to pass. But I pray for each soul here, God, that you would do only what you can do. It's not about each of the speakers. It's not about how well we communicate the information. God, this is a time where we can really learn at your feet in the company of our friends. So I pray, Lord, that you would bless this time, that you would bless this teaching tonight, that you would speak powerfully through your word, and that you would encourage us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's really great to be with you all this evening. Uh, as Aaron said, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors of the Greeley Church. One of my co-pastors, Jack, is back there. So if there's anything I say that's wrong, it's his fault. Just kidding, Jack. No, I love, I love Jack. Uh, we've known each other for many, many years. He was actually the best man in my wedding. And it's just, a, it's great to, to have him as a pastor with me. Um, so tonight, basically this whole weekend, we're... Like Aaron said, we're trying to communicate to you uh, what was something that we wish we knew in high school. And uh, actually, could you do me a favor? Is there any way we could bring these lights down a little bit? I can't see anybody. I feel like I'm talking to myself. Uh, or maybe even just bring up the house lights a little bit, because now I can't see my notes. Boy, I am like a prima donna up here. I'm like, hey, do everything that I ask you to do. No. Okay, this is great. Everything looks good? Okay, all right. But yeah, uh, so what we wish we knew in high school, and the topic that I chose was I wish I knew God. Um, You know, I'm really thankful that I get to teach on this, and I'm thankful that I get to teach with alongside the other men who are going to be up here this weekend. Uh, Steve Nelson, who's speaking tomorrow, he was my pastor for many years. And it's just amazing to think of what God's done 
uh, in my life, actually through his ministry over the years. Greg Miller, who's speaking. Greg, where are you? Are you here? I don't know if Greg's here. But Greg, who's speaking tomorrow, he actually, we didn't realize this, but he and I were neighbors growing up. He lived across the valley, and I lived over here, and he lived over here. We could have waved at each other, but we grew up next to each other for many years, and we had no idea, and now we're doing this together, which is really amazing. And then Dove, I think, is also speaking tomorrow, and Dove is just a dear friend. He's incredibly intelligent and wonderfully kind. So I just pray that, that all of these messages, starting with this one, that you'd be helped by them. And I'm really thankful for this opportunity. But you might look at this and you say, okay, something I wish I knew in high school, I wish I knew God. You might say, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, this is a Christian conference. We all know God. We know a lot of things about God, right? We, we've grown up in Christian homes, whatever. Like, you've heard a lot of things before, and that's true. I don't discount that at all. I don't doubt that many of you know a great many things about God. I mean, I knew about God when I was a teenager as well. But what I want to talk about is something more than what I knew then and something more that you might know now. And so just to kind of get into my story a little bit, we'll begin there just so you kind of understand what I mean by this. When I wish I knew God. I was uh, one of two children. My sister is six years older than I am. And my family was Catholic. And when I was a kid, it seemed like everybody was Catholic. It seemed like all my, everybody would go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin for family vacations. And it just seemed like everybody was Catholic. Now, There's a lot of Catholics still around, but I don't hear very many people talking about it as much as I did when I was a kid. But Catholics do profess a lot of the same things that we would as Protestant Christians. They, They would say a lot of the same things about God, Jesus, but there are some differences that are pretty significant. But I would say that I grew up in a Catholic family that went to Mass every Sunday, and I remember walking in and seeing you know, Jesus hanging on the cross and being totally uh, startled by that just about every time I saw it and feeling very uncomfortable with it. There's just something kind of like, I I don't like looking at this and yet I'm here, so I'm kind of like forced to look at it. And there was this theme kind of in my upbringing as a Catholic that was God is incredibly scary, that he's... Just You can't possibly know him. He's just up there and he's big and he's terrifying and you should worship him and you should praise him. But it was really based off of my fear of him. And seeing Jesus on the cross like that, looking so sad and so defeated and just broken, it really made it feel like there's no possible way that I could connect with that. And so... I was raised in that as a kid, and I was growing up, and as a young kid, I remember praying at night, and I remember just, I would get scared in the dark, and I would just be like, okay, I I know Jesus is supposed to help me, I hear this at at Catholic Church, and and my parents have talked to me a little bit about some things, so I'm just going to say Jesus' name over and over and over and over again until I fall asleep. I didn't know anything about Jesus other than he was hanging on a cross, and I saw him every Sunday, but I was praying to him, asking for help, even as a little kid. And as we got older, about the time I was in middle school, my parents decided that we weren't going to go to 
Mass anymore. That we were still going to be Catholics, but we weren't going to go to the services anymore. And I remember thinking at the time, this is great. I don't have to go and sit and listen to some old guy talk about stuff I don't understand, and I don't have to see that scary Jesus anymore, and I don't have to be a part of that, and we get to sleep in on Sundays. Like, this is the best decision my parents have ever made. I mean, that's how I felt at the time. I would have said, yeah, I still believe in God. I still care about those things. But man, am I glad we don't have to go to church. So glad that's over. And so for many years, pretty much from middle school up until most of high school, I would have said, I know a lot of things about God because of what I heard growing up. Uh, but I don't really know anything else other than things about God. I don't really care about following him. I don't really, but I believe in him. I believe in him. Seems like a decent enough person to believe in, so I'll do that. When I got to high school, which is, you know, this age range, and I'll I'll get there eventually, but (laughs) when I got to high school, um, I remember, so my middle school experience with my friends was pretty rough. I lost all of my friends at the same time my eighth grade year. So just real quick story. All these friends who I had grown up with, elementary school through middle school, I went to the lunchroom one time and I was sitting with all of them and they just said, Paul, why are you here? And I said, because I'm your friend. And one of the people said, not anymore. And just like that, I lost all of my friends in one lunch. And so from that point, I didn't really know, like, how do, who do I trust? Who can be my friends? What do I do? And so up until high school, I was just kind of going friend group to friend group, trying to figure out people who I could hang out with, but I was really burned, so I didn't really know. Like, I kind of kept people at arm's length. And so here I am in high school. I have some musical ability, so I start getting involved in the music program there and start to develop some friendships there. But while I was developing those friendships, those friendships were really based around a couple things. One of those things was me. Everything was about me. Everything about, was about my friends. Whatever could make me happy, whatever it could be that would help me to not feel sad anymore or to not feel like life was hard, whatever it was, everything focused on knowing what would make me feel better. And you know what was interesting about that was it really drove me to a lot of places. The friends that I had were also looking for those things, and they found that in us talking about sex all the time and talking about like all sorts of movies that we would watch that were really, really terrible movies to watch. And we were like just totally giving into what, as a Christian, I now know is the flesh. We were just totally all about ourselves. And you know what? When you don't have anyone else to look to, you're going to look to yourself. And so I just remember, as I look back now in high school, just thinking, all I'm trying to do is make myself happy. But then I was seeing these other people around me and thinking, okay, well, if I can impress these people, that's going to make me happier because then they'll like me and it'll be way better than it was when all those friends ditched me. And so all this stuff is creating this mentality in me that I've got to be this type of person and I've got to rise to this type of occasion and I've got to make sure I'm just this certain way so that I get what I want and so that people love me. I don't know if that's familiar to any of you. 
but it was just this really strong feeling that I had to know what other people cared about, I had to know what I wanted to care about, and then I went after that with as much vigor as I could. And I got to tell you guys, at the time, I felt pretty good about some things, pretty good about the friends I had. But some of those friendships that I had really led me into some really dark places, uh, which I didn't have an answer for at the time. Now, meanwhile, all this time, I would have said, I know God, I know a lot about God. But truth be told, I didn't really know anything about who God really was. I knew all the information, but I didn't really know God. And because of that, my life was just chaos. It was just like, okay, I'm going to go to this thing and this thing and this thing. I just got to find something. And the truth is, God has created us to know him. And I love this quote uh, from J.I. Packer. He says, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. I have no doubt that so many of you in this room have various problems in your life because we all do. And we all try to find ways to make those things better. And J.I. Packer's telling us what is absolutely true. Once we know and once we're aware of the fact that the main reason we exist is to know God, the God who made us, then a lot of those things that are causing us a tremendous amount of heartache and a tremendous amount of burden and just feeling lost and confused, it all begins to fall into place. Not immediately, but things become known. And so there is something that we need to be aware of, and that's that I have no question in my mind that many of you tonight know a lot about God. My hope is that when you go to sleep tonight and through the rest of the messages you hear this weekend, that you would leave here not just knowing about him, but knowing him. Really knowing the one true living God who created you and made you and wants that relationship with you. And so what is the difference then between knowing about God and knowing God? When we talk about knowing about God, again, I have no doubt that in this room, most, if not all of you, have had a ton of exposure to information about God. Now, why do I say that? Well, I would assume that at least some of you, if not many of you, have parents that are professing Christians who are raising you, hopefully, to know Christ and to know God. And so maybe you have family devotions. Maybe, maybe they've read stories to you since you were a kid. Who knows? I, I could never imagine exactly what each of you have gone through. But if you've grown up in a Christian home, you've digested a lot of information about who God is. I mean, even the stuff I've already said tonight, you might be thinking, yep, got it. Yep, got it. Yep, got it. Parents told me that. Got it. You might be feeling that way. Okay, great. You know a lot of those things. If you grew up in a Christian home, there's also involvement in the church. Just out of curiosity, um, raise your hands for me. How many of you uh, have been, can remember being in the church for 10 years? Okay. So really the majority. So do you know how many 
If you went to a church that had Sunday school growing up, how many Bible stories you've heard? Hundreds. Do you know how many sermons you've probably listened to over the course of your life already? Hundreds. You know so much about God. You all do. I have no doubt about it. You sat there and you've heard it and you've listened to it and learning, learning, learning. It's all good. You're filling the mind. And like I said, that's great, but you can learn a lot about God and not know him. Do you understand that? You can learn a lot about God and not actually know God. John Milton, who was a pastor, wicked hair. I love this guy. I mean, look at, look at the, the outfit. I wonder what color those tassels were. But he says this, the end of all learning is to know God and out of that knowledge to love and imitate him, right? The end of all learning. So everything you learn is meant to do this. It's meant to accomplish something. How much of your Christian life have you spent learning so much about God and wondering all along the way, do I even know him? Do I even have a relationship with him? Why does my life look the way it is? Am I even putting these things into practice? That's what he's talking about right there. And that's the difference. Knowing about God is having all the information, learning all those things over the course of your life, and you say, yes, I know him, but maybe you don't. And I don't want any of us to be like Philip. Philip, the the disciple, was with Jesus. He had spent tons of time with Jesus, in Jesus' presence, and you would think he would totally get it. But no, in John John 14, 9, Jesus said to Philip, I have been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip. I have been with you so long and you still don't know me? And then he goes on to say, I and the Father are one. Like, you need to know who I really am. So you can spend a lot of time in the presence of of learning about Jesus and knowing a lot of things about him, but it's different between knowing him and I don't want any of you to be in that spot. And I'm not degrading knowledge at all. We have to have knowledge. We want the renewing of our mind. But really, and you've heard this before, this Christianese, okay, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Listen, forget the phrase. It is totally about relationship. It is totally about having that type of knowing relationship with the God who made you. Listen, in, every, in the relationships you might have in this room, right, knowing about people is one thing, right? I know various things about some of the teens who are from Greeley. Some of you I don't know at all, so I couldn't say anything about your life or who you are or what you like. But some of these teens who I know from Greeley, I could give some guesses of like, yeah, their personality is this way. They like these types of things. But I think you would agree with me that just knowing those things about them doesn't mean that I know them. Not really. It's because we don't have that type of a relationship. It's just a different thing. And if you have a knowing relationship with another person, what does that do to you? Well, as that knowledge comes, it affects how we think. It affects our actions. It affects our affections for that person. Because if we're truly in a relationship with somebody, do you know what happens? We let the guard down and we say, I'm going to choose to trust this person. They're going to choose to trust me, which means they're letting me know them. 
and I have to let them know me. This whole knowing and being known thing is actually what real relationships are built on. There's tons of, of men and women in the world right now who are feeling so alone, even in the church, because they don't know that they can have this type of relationship. They're scared to be known by other people. And they're scared to know others. But we are meant to know God. And that knowledge about God, just like in our earthly relationships, that knowledge about him may not change us, but knowing him, having that relationship with him where, where we get to know him and he knows all these things about us and we interact with that relationship, that does change you. I mean, it has to. If you say, I have a relationship with God and it hasn't changed you at all, you might not have a relationship with the true God. There's a knowing that has to exist there. So knowing him is knowing who God really is. And we're going to look at that in a moment. But as we come to know God, do you know what we also come to know? We come to know a lot of things about ourselves. When I was in high school, all I wanted to try to do was make everything good. And, and I didn't want to think about myself. I didn't really want to know what was going on inside of me. I didn't want to think about all that stuff because I didn't really want to go that deep. But you know, it's interesting, when I came to know God in college, I'll tell you what happened, I'll give you my testimony real briefly here. Uh, freshman year of college, I was in a relationship with a girl who I had started this relationship in high school. We both would have said we were professing believers. We both would have said we believed in God, and yet we were messing around, doing all sorts of things we shouldn't have done. And... Um, Towards the middle of my freshman year of college, we were both going to school together, she quit college and decided she wanted to end the relationship. And I loved this girl. I just thought she was like the greatest thing ever, even though our relationship was totally destructive. And um, I was so heartbroken, and some of you might laugh at this part, but um, I got together with some friends, and I made some brownies, and I filled them with marijuana, and I just thought, I'm going to get as high as I possibly can. And I've never eaten marijuana brownies before. So that sounds fun. Maybe I can like, get all my cares away and all that stuff. Little did I know that the marijuana that I bought from a girl in the upstairs dorm was laced with some sort of hallucinogen, acid or something. I don't know, LSD. I don't know what it was. So I ate three of these things in 15 minutes. And... Uh, I'll just tell you, it was a horrible experience. I threw up probably like 16 times, TMI, I know. I didn't know who I was, I didn't know where I was, I slept through a whole day. Uh, when I woke up, I was hallucinating so much that I thought the world was black and, black and white. I thought everybody I knew was a demon trying to get me. Uh, I took a, a test in, in college where my professor's head was flying around me as I took the test. You think it's hard enough taking a test. But when your teacher's head is like watching you to make sure you're not cheating, it's like, <laughs> you know. I was that way for about a month. And then uh, I was kind of permanently um, really messed up for a few years. 
uh, just a, the effects lasted for a long time. About a year after uh, I had done this and I was totally at a loss, I, I um, through the love and kindness of other Christians who uh, brought me into their life and cared for me, um, I came to know that there was a God who was bigger than all that pain and bigger than my self-righteousness and my sin and bigger than my, my selfishness and my narcissism and all those things. And that he actually wanted to have a relationship with me, actually cared about me. He actually died for me. And you know what that relationship with God did to me? It didn't make everything rosy and puppy dogs and ice cream all the time. What it actually did was it made me very aware of my sin. The realization that I was a great sinner. And the only solution to that is to have an even greater savior. It made me start thinking about my identity. Who am I? What am I supposed to be living for? Why do I exist? Those are not simple questions. Those are like deep philosophical questions. God brought me to that place. And again, like my need for salvation. I was a sinner. I didn't know who I was. I needed someone to come into my life and change me because even though I knew so much about God and I could have arguments with people about God, all these things that I learned, I didn't actually know him. But when I came to know him, it was like, oh man, I'm a sinner, but he still loves me? Oh, I don't know who I am, but he's going to tell me who I am? Oh, I, 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 I'm going to die, but he's going to give me eternal life? I mean, knowing God totally changed everything about my life. It changed how I love people. It changed how I lived my life. So we asked the question, well, Paul, how do I go from a place of knowing a lot about God to actually knowing God and having this wonderful relationship with him where all these things you're talking about are true for me? Which, by the way, I think this can be true for you. I'm, I'm speaking to you. Listen, the world, the world looks at you teenagers and says, you're just bad. You're going to ruin the world. There's nothing good that you can accomplish, right? That's how they view you. You got to understand, a lot of people in the world say, we have no hope for the next generation. Listen, if you know God, you are the hope for the world. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. All those things that God does, he will do through you. So I'm speaking to you, believing that can be true of you. Not that you're just some dumb teens and you're just going to mess things up. I genuinely believe that God wants to take this room and do amazing things with all of you. I believe it. Do you? Do you believe it? Is that what you want your life to be about, is knowing this God? Or do you just want to know a lot about him? Well, the only way to know him is actually the Holy Spirit has to do that work. You can't save yourself. You can't suddenly turn on your dead brain and say, oh, I'm alive now. No, God has to be the one through the power of his Holy Spirit to make you alive so that you can know him. So that's just a foundation. You say, well, Paul, you're supposed to tell me what I can do. <laughs> now you said I can't do anything. The Holy Spirit does it. Yes. Just hold on to that. That's the foundation, okay? It begins with God and it will end with God. You get to do some things in the middle, okay? So the Holy Spirit does this, opens your eyes to realize you can have a relationship with this wonderful God. And then what does he do? He the Holy Spirit reveals the gospel to you, that it's only through Jesus alone that you can know God. 
It is only through the saving work of Christ that you can know him. And I know you're saying, yeah, I know this. I've grown up in the church. I know this, I know this, I know this. Okay. Well, you're gonna know this too. Another way to know God and not only know about him is through his word. And you say, well, Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna read this book. That's just learning more about him, right? Well, only if you view this book as a bunch of words on paper. But if you view this book as the words of the living God that he knew you before the foundation of the world and he had this written down because he knew that you'd all be sitting here tonight to be encouraged to read his word. Right? This isn't just learning like, okay, I got to do my homework. I got to memorize this psalm. I got to figure this out and figure this. No, it's so much more. When you read this book, you are interacting with the God who created all things and somehow by his grace has brought you into his family. Do you get that? Like tomorrow morning when you spend time reading this, when you take time for devotions, I hope you'd see it this way. God, I can know you through this. Not just I'm supposed to do this this morning. We get to know him through this. This is his words to us. He loves us. He spoke to us. We get to know him more through meditation. How many of you, when you do read, don't actually take the time to think about it? Take the time to actually think about what am I supposed to do with this? J.I. Packer, uh, he said this, how can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is simple but demanding. Don't miss that word. This is work. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. How many of you have thought about, like, I just read this morning, or I just read tonight, and you've thought that you get to do that? This is so profound. You are not meant to just gain information. You're meant to take that information and put it into practice. And you come to know God more that way. And so you take all this stuff that you have and then you offer it back up to the Lord in prayer. Prayer is one of the missing key elements in so many Christian lives. I would ask you all, just just beg you really, start good prayer habits now for your life. It's only gonna get harder, okay? If you get married someday, it's gonna get harder. If you have kids someday, it's gonna get harder. Prayer is not just this natural thing that you're going to fall into. You have to actually try. And there's other spiritual disciplines like fasting and so on. But the point is, is that to come to know God, you have to pursue knowing him. And as you pursue him, you'll discover who he is. And so let's talk about who he is. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him boast, let him, him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Did you get that? Don't boast in all your wealth. Don't boast in all your might. Don't boast in all, the, all your wisdom. Boast in the reality that you can know God and understand him. 
And then listen, he says who he is. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Listen, what you see in this world, all around you, you, you can't miss it, is man's desire to make much of himself or herself. That's really everybody's goal, okay? People who don't know God, that's all they got going for them. They got to figure this out. Okay, I got to make as much of myself as possible. And those people who are doing that, what do they do? They boast in their wisdom. They boast in their might. They boast in their riches. And people all over, who are especially a lot of teens right now, are focused on, okay, what career can I get that's going to give me everything I want? What kind of things can I do that's finally going to make me happy? And people give their lives to advancing these things. They set their mind on how to attain these things. But God calls us to know him, which is a far greater thing. It doesn't mean all those other things aren't important. We should try to have a career. We should aim to be good at what we do. We should focus on trying to gain knowledge and learning. All that stuff's important. But what's far greater than that is to know God. To know the God who created learning, who created wisdom, who created all these things, all this might. He satisfies us like nothing else can. And that's the truth of it. And this verse tells us why. Why would God be the most satisfying person to know, far greater than any other thing that we could know? Well, because he's loving. You all know this, right? Yes, we've heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I've heard that. I've memorized it, Paul. I know these verses. I'm... To know how much you are really loved by God is a life-changing thing. Because you're going to be hurt by people. You're going to be hurt by your family. You're going to go through things in this life where you're going to feel like, I feel so alone. But if you know that God loves you, that is a sustaining, powerful truth. He's loving. He's just, it says. God is always going to do what is just. He's righteous. God is always going to do what's right. He can't not do what's right. And I know the devil right there. And it's going to happen again with the next thing I say and the next thing and the next thing. Every single one of these things that I say about knowing this God, that he is right all the time, the devil says, no, he's not. And you just heard that voice, right? Well, no, he's not. I don't know about that. Or the next one, he is faithful. Are you sure, Paul? Because there's things I've prayed for and God hasn't really showed up. I've, dealed with chronic, I've dealt with chronic illness for most of my life. When I was 13 years old, I got in a, or 14, 15, I can't remember, I got in a terrible car accident. We hit a tree going 40 miles per hour. The seatbelt thankfully saved my life, so I didn't go through the windshield, but I was pinned between the seatbelt and the car seat that had, that had, it was a reclining seat, and it shot forward, and I got pinned. I couldn't breathe. My friend got out of the car, had to pull me out of the car. My other friend had like flown into the back of me, which caused my seat to go forward, and they got me out of the car, and I have had chronic illness with my digestive system ever since. Those brownies that I ate have affected my mind and my stomach ever since, okay? So I could be the most person in this room to say, God, I've prayed over and over and over again that you would take this pain from me. That you would remove this suffering from my body. I'm tired of it. I still have it. 
So question for you. Did anything I say just prove that God is unfaithful? Actually, no. Because every single step along the way, God has showed up for me. God has actually shown me how much greater he is than having a healthy body. The relationship that I have with God now is more founded on the suffering I've experienced with my Savior by my side than if I have lived a great life with no pain. This is knowing God. He's faithful. He's mighty. He is good. Do you understand that God can't do anything but good? Do you understand that? God can't do evil to you. He's only going to do good in your life. This is something that you must know about him. He's merciful and gracious. You come to this conference and you say, oh, but there's sin in my life or these things I've done. Yes, and that God that you can know is gracious and merciful towards that sin. Look, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And as a teen, I looked everywhere other than him. I really did. And I was missing so much because like Paul says in Philippians 3, 8 through 11, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Of knowing Christ. I count everything in my life as lost Because knowing him surpasses anything I could have, anything I could know, anything I could gain. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. There's that suffering. I lost it all. And you know what? I count them as rubbish. Even though I lost so much stuff, eh, I don't care about it. Why? In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying this, right? The apostle who wrote all these books that we read, who knows a ton about God, what does he say? I've lost everything to know him, and guess what? I'm going to do everything I can to continue to know him, to know the power of his resurrection. Do you want that? Do you want to know the power of the resurrection of God, of what he did through Christ? Do you want to know that? I do. I can't think of anything more incredible to to set my mind on, actually. And as we set our mind on this God that we can know, it's going to change your life. And again, I said it. I believe that you as teens, I think God can work through you and is going to work through you. And so this should change you. If you really know God, it's going to change what you love. It's going to change how you love. It's going to change how you love others. In 1 John 4, 7 through 8, John wrote this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This isn't just knowing about him. This is having that relationship. And it teaches us how to love other people. 1 John 3.16 teaches us how to love. By this we know love. How do I know what love is? God, well, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So it changes how we love and it changes how we live. Knowing God calls us to obedience. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. And by this we know that we have come to know him. How do you know that you know God? You might ask me that question. Paul, how do I know that I know God right now? Well, are you keeping his commandments? I'm not saying perfectly. John, even in 1 John, he even says, look, you're not going to keep these perfectly. And when you do, 
Jesus' grace is greater than your sins. But this is how you know that you have a relationship with God, is you obey him. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walks. So it's just a question we ask ourselves. Am I following the commands of Christ? I say I'm a Christian. I say I know a lot about God. Am I actually obeying him? Even if imperfectly, am I pursuing that? Knowing God gets us to fight sin. 1 John 3, 6. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. You know what's amazing is I still sin, you still sin. Okay, we all do. And yet we can know that we have a solution for that sin problem every single time we sin. Isn't that good news? Has anyone sinned this week? Yes. What did you do with that? (laughs) When you sinned against God or you sinned against somebody else, what did you do with that? I tell you, the first thing we ought to do is remember in our minds, God, you know me and I know you. Thank you for forgiving me for that. It helps us to fight it. It helps us with our identity and purpose. For Psalms 100, verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You want to know who you are? You want to know who you're meant to be? You want to know what your purpose is for this life? Get to know God really well. I was so confused in high school. I was missing all these wonderful things. And then hope, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you. Jesus was saying this. Eternal life comes from knowing God. Do you want to just live for this life, or do you want to have life eternal? You say, well, Paul, I've heard that my whole life. Yeah, if I believe in Jesus, I get to be with him forever. And that's the key. We think, if I believe in him, I get to be with him. We only get to be with him because we know him. And that knowledge of him, that understanding of who he is, eternal life is directly tied to this. So I want to end with a a quote and a verse. The quote is from my hero. Look at that guy. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He became a pastor when he was 19 years old. He's known as the Prince of Preachers. Um, But he says this, the knowledge of God is the great hope of sinners. Oh, if you knew him better, you would fly to him. If you understood how gracious he is, you would seek him. If you could have any idea of his holiness, you would loathe your self-righteousness. If you knew anything of his power, you would not venture to contend with him. If you knew anything of his grace, you would not hesitate to yield yourself to him. You know, I've really come to learn that. I didn't know any of that as a teen. And I've come to learn that over the years. I wish I would have known that. I wish I, wish I could have gone back and changed. I would not have done some of the things I've done. But God's grace is sufficient for even those things. And then finally, just... 
This is my call to all of you. I've actually called you to a lot of things tonight, but I'm gonna have the Bible call you to something because it's easier to uh, ignore me. It's harder to ignore the Bible. You can ignore me all day. It's fine. I'm not gonna get offended. But if you ignore God, that's a bad idea. Okay? 2 Peter 3, 17 through 18. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. That's what I was doing as a teen. I was one of those people. I don't know where you're at right now, but take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but instead grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity to go through various verses and various quotes that can be helpful for our lives, but really what's going to matter the most, God, is what we do with the knowledge that we have about you. It's wonderful to know you, God. You have changed my life. You have changed so many lives in this room. Don't let us, please, God, don't let us be the type of people who honor you with our lips, but our hearts are actually far from you. Help us to be people that when we think about you and we gain all this information about you and we learn all these things this weekend, that we would take this as teens and say, God, you've spoken these things to me. It doesn't matter what age I am or what people think about me or where I'm going or what it looks like, but God, you know me and I can know you and that's great. God, would you just help each of us to rejoice in this reality that we can even know the God of the universe. You didn't have to even make that happen. You didn't have to make it possible because you loved us. You sent Jesus into the world to save us. And in saving us, we gain new life in you and that changes everything. And I just pray for every soul here, God, that you would change them. You would draw them to you and that you would help them to walk with you every day hereafter. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.